Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas, and thanks for joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. There will be a San Antonio stock show and rodeo next year. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up. Coastal band farmers and ranchers are staying busy as the month of October arrives. This is Harvey Beering reporting from the Corpus Christi area. Corn and soybean fungicides fighting diseases. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. We'll have those stories plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's a look at news headlines. Lamb prices are looking better for Texas sheep producers during this fall run compared to when the pandemic set in earlier this year. Benny Cox is president of the American Sheep Industry Association and owner of Producers Livestock Auction in San Angelo. He says their sheep market has been all ethnic buyers, which has been the driver for sheep markets across the country. Everything that we've sold here is going totally to the ethnic market, nothing going to the feedlot, and a lot of those wool lambs. Generally, the wool lambs that are left here in Texas, the big numbers where they've got truckload lot, are traded out in the country. We didn't have a customer to send them to that had a worthy bid. You know, those bids were under a dollar. So all these big groups that we trade out in the country have come through the auction sale and gone to the ethnic market, not to feedlot, but directly to the processing facility. Typically, the ethnic market looks for a lamb that is 75 pounds and under. In the traditional lamb market, ethnic buyers began backing away when the 85-pound-plus lambs enter the sale ring, and that allows feeders to get in on the bidding. Now that we're in the middle of the traditional lamb marketing season, Cox says prices are running higher because feeder lambs sold at this time of year are missing from the market. The wool lambs that generally go to the feedlot, they hadn't gone there. They've gone to the ethnic market, so we've taken them out of the feeding program. Canada, as I understand, came over here and bought 20,000 of those fat lambs. So here in the last couple of weeks, the slaughter facilities would have killed more lambs but couldn't buy them out of the feedlot that were ready to go. All of a sudden, we've got a shortage. Benny Cox with Producers Livestock in San Angelo. It's the largest sheep and goat auction in the country. The Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo has been canceled for 2021, but the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo will be held. Jessica Domo reports. There will be a San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo in 2021. This morning, event organizers confirmed that there will be a carnival and junior livestock show during the Stock Show and Rodeo's run February 11th through the 28th. In order to comply with current health and safety guidelines, this year's event will return to Freeman Coliseum. Additional details will be released in the coming weeks on sarodeo.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Coastal Bend farmers and ranchers are staying busy here in October. Harvey Buring reports from Corpus Christi. 
Agricultural producers here in the lower coastal bend continue to be quite busy with stalk plow out for their cotton crop and preparations for spring planting. Our hay producers have been quite active uh, this past few weeks harvesting their warm season grass haze. Hay meadows are producing uh, slightly above average yields, particularly in those areas that were lucky enough to receive five or six inches of rainfall back in September. But uh, there have been some scattered outbreaks of fall army worms uh, that have caused some significant forage loss in a number of pastures and hay fields, uh, particularly in western Nueces County, Jim Wells, and up in southern Live Oak County. And livestock auction barns have been pretty busy in the area with some increases in calf shipments. A lot of ranchers who are running cattle in the brush country where deer hunting takes place are vacating a number of their pastures and pulling off their late spring and summer calves and sending them to market. The New Aces County Extension agent, Jason Ott, has a lineup of Excellent educational programs coming up here in October uh, with the five-hour CEU training day taking place on October 15th at the regional fairgrounds in Robstown. That'll begin at 8 a.m. It'll be followed by a soil management workshop that'll be conducted on Thursday, October the 22nd, and that'll mark the uh, kickoff of the month-long soil testing campaign that'll be taking place here in the lower coastal bend area, and that testing campaign will conclude on November 20th. So for more details on these events, contact the New Aces County AgriLife Extension Office, and they also have registration information for some of these events as well. Reporting from the coastal bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. Fungicides can be an important tool in producing corn here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti takes a closer look. For today's program, Ray Lello with Bear Crop Science joins me as part of the recent Bear virtual media event. Lello is North America product manager for corn and soybean fungicides. And that is the topic for this discussion, a fungicide by the name of Delaro for use on corn and soybean fields. Over the last several years, Bayer has really started to increase our focus on delivering solutions to growers in corn and soybean growing areas. So over, I would say, the last uh, three years in particular, we've really started to reformulate, rethink how we approach this market as we see more erratic weather patterns, we see incremental disease pressures, and growers continue to demand more consistency out of our fungicide products and market. Um, what's exciting about this portfolio is in 2018, we launched Delaro, which was a fungicide that increased our triazole versus previous formulations, delivering longer disease control, but also broader disease control across the spectrum of corn and soy diseases. We received EPA approval for our next generation fungicide, which is Delaro Complete. Now, that fungicide is going to contain not only the previously existing backbone chemistry Delaro had within strobilurin and atriazole, but we've added an SDHI, a third mode of action, which again delivers on that incremental disease activity and improves plant health. Ray, talk about the impact of Delaro for growers uh, across the regions uh, in which uh, this uh, fungicide is uh, utilized, including in Texas during the 2020 growing season. When we think about choosing a fungicide or not choosing a fungicide to apply to a field, there's a couple of core and specific things we need to think about. So are we on irrigated grounds? Do we have a high yielding 
hybrid or variety? You know, do we have low tillage, high tillage? So all these things kind of add to what is our disease pressure probably going to be? And can we predict that disease pressure? And therefore, should we or should we not apply a fungicide? So a couple of those things I just mentioned really uh, should resonate well with some of our growers in the panhandle in particular, understanding in particular in corn, why Delara would be a really good choice. Because when we have those high yielding hybrids that are under high management practices and they're irrigated as well, Delara not only drives home the disease control and the disease consistency of coast core diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, or rust species and tar spot, but also improves plant health because it has that strobilurin in it. Now, as we translate that into Delara Complete, uh, our next generation fungicide is that is going to not only increase that disease control specific in corn to gray leaf spot, but also increase plant health. So the approval by the Environmental Protection Agency recently for the new generation uh, Delaro uh, will be available then uh, during the 2021 growing season? It will, yes. So we just received, again, federal approval applying for state registrations as we speak today. So that we expect that in the very near term and absolutely for the 2021 market year, we will be marketing Delara Complete across our corn and soybean growing regions. Those comments from Ray Lello in St. Louis with Bear Crop Science. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The latest forecast from the Department of Agriculture predicts smaller crop sizes and the potential for record soybean exports. Michael Clements has more from Washington. The latest World Agriculture Supply and Demand Report from the Department of Agriculture brings potential for increases in the price farmers receive for their crops. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Shelby Myers says USDA lowered old crop ending stocks for corn, changing the landscape of supply and demand. The carryover of 1.9 billion bushels of corn and changes to corn area planted from 97 million acres to 91 million acres also put the new crop year at different starting line for supply. With corn supply changes and demand changes overall, Ending stocks are expected to be about 2.1 billion bushels, and the hopes of a larger price rally will really fall on the need for corn demand to pick up its pace. For soybeans, 2019-20 ending stocks were lowered to 523 million bushels, and demand was slightly increased. Rolling into the 2020-21 marking year, USDA cut soybean area planted by 700,000 acres and lowered the amount to be harvested. The 2020-21 demand is good news. 2.2 billion bushels for soybean exports that's currently estimated would be the largest on record if achieved. Myers says the report resulted in a market rally for corn and soybeans. Unfortunately, the reactionary price bumps came later than what would have been ideal for many farmers, especially those who've been marketing the old crop and what ultimately ended up being a tighter than expected supply environment. But the price rally is certainly welcome news. Any potential yield changes that could impact supply favorably, combined with some renewed hope for demand increases, would help keep these market impacts supported. Find a complete analysis on the Market Intel page at fb.org. Michael Clements, Washington. Crop producers suffering losses in 2018 and 2019 due to specified natural disasters will have until this month's end to sign up for a USDA disaster assistance program. USDA's Rod Bain has more. Underway since September of last year, sign up for USDA's Wildfire and Hurricane Indemnity Program Plus for natural disaster losses suffered by crop producers in 2018 and 2019. Originally, a sign-up deadline was not specified until now. That sign-up will end on October 30th. Farm Service Agency Administrator Richard Fordyce says several natural disasters are included for coverage under WIP Plus, with drought and excessive moisture most recently added to the list last March. He asks producers can determine eligibility via an online tool. 
It is a tool, but more of a survey, and that's at farmers.gov, the WIP Plus webpage. And it's a series of questions that the producer can answer, and that would give them some indication as to whether they would be eligible for any kind of a payment. Information about WIP Plus and the current sign-up is also available through local farm service agency offices. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Wildlife management use valuation in Texas doesn't just benefit the landowners who have it, it benefits almost everyone. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. And hoof abscesses in horses are common, but there are several causes. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at causes of hoof abscesses in horses coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Hoof abscesses are common in horses here in Texas, but there are several things that can cause them. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at some of those causes. Although a hoof abscess may develop by a horse stepping on a sharp object, most abscesses develop when foreign material accumulates at the sole wall junction, and as the horse bears weight, the material is pushed inside the hoof. Dr. Steve O'Grady indicates that once the material enters the area inside the hoof capsule, the foreign material activates the horse's immune system, which incites an inflammatory response, and this draws inflammation and white blood cells into the area. The bacteria that are also introduced produce enzymes that lead to death of the tissue, and pus usually develops. In most infections, you think of pus being yellow, but in the hoof, it is almost always a very grayish-black color. And most of the time, only one to two drops of pus is all that is noted. Since the hoof is a sealed structure, it only requires a few drops to be painful. Treatment involves finding the abscess and opening it for drainage to occur. And sometimes this is not easy. The openings that allow the bacteria to enter the foot close quickly, and sometimes it requires wrapping the foot with a poultice pad to soften the sole and find the abscess. One other cause of a hoof abscess is a horseshoe nail entering the sensitive tissue when the farrier is applying a shoe. Sometimes the farrier will pull the nail out, but it can still seed the area with infections. Many times, hoof pain does not occur until the abscess grows, which may require one to two weeks. Never open a hoof abscess through the sole and always open it at the sole wall junction if possible. It is also not a good idea to wait until the abscess ruptures at the coronary band, as this delays healing and allows a tract to develop that can cause future issues. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Wildlife management use valuation here in Texas doesn't just benefit the landowners who have it. It benefits almost everyone. Jessica Domel explains in today's Wildlife Report. Today we wrap up our four-part series on wildlife management use valuation in Texas. The valuation is not an exemption and it's technically part of the open space valuation method. To qualify, landowners must meet several requirements, including submitting a wildlife management plan and application to their county appraisal district. 
According to Tiffany Dowell-Lashmet, Agricultural Law Specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, other requirements are that the land must be used primarily for wildlife management, must have qualified for an open space valuation the year before, and must be actively managed to sustain a breeding, migrating, or wintering population of indigenous wildlife through implementation of the Wildlife Management Plan. And as Greg Simons told us yesterday, the landowner must meet at least three of the listed practices. Simons, the principal and GM of Wildlife Systems and Wildlife Consultants, says the valuation can help rural landowners, but it also encourages wildlife management. Healthy wildlife habitat generally is part of providing a healthy environment for humans as well. Those functioning habitats, productive nutrient cycles, productive water cycles, the open space that speaks to people's spiritual and emotional health. All that is, I think, tied in to what we're talking about in some degree. So if we can ensure that we have healthy open space, healthy wildlife habitat, and and how that translates into just a healthy environment for people, I think we need to be cognizant of that. That was Greg Simons. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We saw mixed close in the cattle market, but the cotton and grain markets continue to climb higher. We'll have a complete look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed close in the cattle complex, wrapping up a mostly lower day for live cattle and a mixed close for the feeder cattle. October live cattle down 60 cents, 107.77. The December down 72, 109.55. February live cattle down 80 cents, 112.42. October feeder cattle up 55, 138.92. November feeders up 15, 136.47. January down $1.22, 132.10. Let's look at the cash markets now. Fed cattle seeing some sales this week. The feedlots finally had to give in and take lower money after running the market up here for the last four weeks. We saw cattle sell anywhere from 107 in Nebraska up to 109 here in Texas. Still a lot of cattle to sell so far this week, so we'll wait and see how the Friday trade shakes out. Boxed beef prices lower choice down 60 cents at 21054 select down 238 19689 that's probably one reason we're seeing lower fed cattle prices this week as we continue to see boxed beef prices move lower Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now Gillespie livestock auction Fredericksburg Texas sold 1184 head this week the trend was steady to higher Two to three weight steers, a dollar fifty to a dollar eighty a pound. Three to four hundred pounders, a dollar fifty to a dollar seventy nine. Four to five weight steers, a dollar forty to a dollar eighty two. 
five to six hundred pounders, a dollar twenty-five to a dollar forty. Six to seven weights, a dollar fifteen to a dollar twenty-five. And the heavy seven to eight weight steers, a dollar to a dollar twenty-three a pound. Slaughter cows, thirty to sixty cents. Slaughter bulls, seventy-five to eighty-five. Stocker cows, six hundred to nine fifty a head. Cow calf pairs, eight hundred to eleven hundred a pair. East Texas livestock in Crockett, two thousand two hundred thirty-five head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three hundred pound steers, a dollar fifty to two oh eight a pound. Three to four weights, a dollar thirty-three to a dollar eighty-two. Four to five weights, a dollar twenty-five to a dollar sixty-three. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar eighteen to a dollar thirty-eight. Six to seven weight steers, a dollar ten to a dollar twenty-one a pound. Slaughter cows, forty-two to sixty-two cents. Slaughter bulls, seventy-one to eighty. Stocker cows, six fifty to fourteen hundred a head. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs climbed higher December up a dollar forty-five, sixty-nine eighty-seven. February hogs up thirty-two at seventy-one forty-two. Class three milk higher October up seven cents twenty-one thirty-seven. November milk up fourteen at twenty eighty-six a hundredweight. It looks like the cotton market is bound and determined to get to 70 cents. We closed it higher again, despite the fact that we had a bit of a financial scare coming from Europe. They're experiencing a second wave of COVID-19. Considering a second shutdown, that scared our financial markets a bit, and that spilled over into the cotton market. However, as I said, it, it closed higher despite that negative news. We finished with December cotton up 29 points, 69.22. March cotton up 21, 69.93. Even bigger gains in the wheat market. Same thing we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Dry weather conditions around the globe in wheat-producing areas, including right here in North America. Whereas we're trying to get our winter wheat crop in the ground right now, a lot of dryness pushing wheat prices higher. December, Kansas City wheat up 22 and 3 quarters, 558 a bushel. New crop July wheat up 19 and 3 quarters, 576 and a half. Corn topped the $4 mark. December corn up seven and a quarter, 403 and three quarters. In the energy markets, November natural gas up 14 cents, 277. November crude oil down a nickel, 40.99 a barrel. And the financial markets, Dow Jones Industrial Average down 48 points, 28,471. The NASDAQ down 61, 11,707. S&P 500 down 7 at 3,480. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up yet another episode of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to check us out again tomorrow. We'll be bringing you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.